Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Gianna. And I'm Bianca. Well, Gianna, the time has finally come to drop the M-A-R-T of our names and become full-on Gucci Italians. I really think that we could be the ones to save the Gucci empire if we just change around our name a little bit. Totally, totally. All it takes is a name change. I think so too. (laughs) In today's Art Pop Talk, we will have a special guest to help us dissect the movie, APT resident fashion expert Juliana Porro. We'll be asking her some behind-the-scenes question about the fashion of House of Gucci. Father, son, and house of Art Pop Talk. (laughs) Um, I just have to say that I love that your accent dropped off at Art Pop Talk. (laughs) How do you... (laughs) I feel like Art Pop Talk is not an Italian phrase that one can just whip out willy-nilly. Yeah. It's been such a good week for the Italians, Bianca, can I just say. (laughs) Did you watch... The great British baking show finale. Oh my god. Gianna, we just watched it last night. I Italians could cry. Are thriving. Thriving this week. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So for those of you who have not watched yet, spoiler alert. Spoiler if alert. You didn't already pick up. <laughs> Freaking Giuseppe came through. Oh my gosh. The Italians are taking over the world. I have this like conspiracy theory about Great British Bake Off this season (laughs) because Jurgen was too good and I feel like they had to find like, it doesn't make for like good TV, even for Great British (laughs) Bake Off, if the guy who's like the most consistent and, you know, wins. It's like, Mm. it's like the person who's a murderer is the person that you medium suspect, you know, there's like a balance. (laughs) And so... I don't know. That week I felt like it was a very strategic week for Jurgen to go home so they could have like a little bit of an underdog. So I'm not saying well, that it was planned, but I'm saying <laughs> it was planned. <laughs> Jurgen was, he was slipping up a little bit. No, he definitely I- like, that was not the best week. Like his little huge ass, were they Macrons or he was just making like meringue? It was like the matcha thing. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. They fell flat, and I was like, uh-uh. Ooh, but I was getting so nervous with poor Giuseppe's Belgian buns. I was like, <laughs> that made no sense. Did he have a stroke? Because me and mom were screaming at the TV. Like, we could see them through the oven, and we were like, they're so the dark. And he's like, maybe one more minute. Giuseppe. <laughs> Oh what? And then Chiggs was literally like, are those burned? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I just have so much anxiety and I hate the music that they play. Yeah, it like gets my heart rate up so fast. <laughs> oh my oh gosh. My that was wild. Something happened in his head and he just was out of his body. Maybe one more minute. Like, yo, <laughs> those buns are toasty. <laughs> take them out. Oh, oh my god. My I god. was getting so scared. I was I was just terrified. My heart sunk when I saw those burnt little buns. <laughs> I, I know, like, but he pulled no. through and he's just so freaking cute. And oh my god, I love him so I, much. I like yeah, I cried. 
what oh of course of course i was telling andrew that i cry at the great british baking show and he was like are you serious and i was like you don't even know like, yeah yeah truly i don't know and then it's so cute because he's gonna write a cookbook with his of course literally me and rosella were sitting on the couch like oh we gotta buy that <laughs> we gotta buy that cookbook i know i'm so excited i mean i definitely have like my favorite bakers over the course of Great British Bake Off history. You know, Nadia is obviously up there. She's Nadia. our gal. But if we get a cookbook from the first Italian who won Great British Baking Show, as I'm doing the hand gesture, <laughs> ah, yes, Italian, Italian <laughs> it'll be everything. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Oh, I'm so excited. So did you have a good Thanksgiving other than watching Bake Off? Yeah, I did. This Thanksgiving was another chill one for the books, but it was really nice. We didn't do like a full turkey. Mom mm-hmm. just made like, I don't know, you know, you can buy like half a turkey or just like turkey mm-hmm. breast. We did that yeah. really only to make turkey and dumplings the next day. That's also a big staple in the Martucci household. Excellent. I think we might have that tonight. There's a possibility of turkey and dumplings on the uh, menu. It's the literally my favorite thing and you have to make the dumplings with this quick mm, yum, yum, yum. Mm, i really hope that smack sound came through <laughs> uh so that was good and then mom and theban actually made um like a lamb dish so i don't know ever since like theban came into the picture he like made lamb one time and now we just have it on thanksgiving and mm-hmm. it's really delicious because turkey mm-hmm. is like very impressive looking it's part of the like aesthetic but I don't know. I think we all need to like calm down a little bit when it comes to to turkey. Like it's okay. I'm not saying that I don't want it, but that's a lot of work for like a dry poultry <laughs> dish. Well, yeah, and I'm a big fan of the turkey breast cuz I think it always comes out moist. It's a little bit smaller. You don't have a, you know, a huge amount of leftovers, but you know, with the lamb, it's it's a good mix, you it's know. It's really good. Yeah, and then we yeah. had carrot soup because Bianca, for you, you're welcome. I saved chestnut soup for you for Christmas. Gianna, I know because I talked to mom and I meant to tell you this and I totally forgot. But I called mom because I was talking about my plans to come home. And, you know, I was asking about Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, are you making chestnut soup? And she was like, no, no. (laughs) You're so pathetic. (laughs) Are you making chestnut soup? And she was like, no, Gianna said that we should save it for you. And I literally was like walking outside. I was like, that's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. So much for telling mom to save chestnut soup for my arrival. I mean, truly, that is the nicest thing anyone has you know, ever done. For me. What can I say? I'm just a really generous person. Um, <laughs> good soup. Good soup. <laughs> but chestnut soup is just not good soup. It is like the soup of soups. It is the soup of soups. So, and I want to save the soup of soups for Christmas. So. <laughs> Christmas soup, well, um, but the carrot soup was was the top, so you know, it's good. all good. That sounds delightful. <laughs> what did uh, what did you guys have? Did you do like a classic Thanksgiving meal, cranberry, all that jazz? Yeah, pretty classic. Uncle Paul did a turkey roulade that was very delicious. Also, we did have turkey legs, so so a few people at the table were just munching on a big fat turkey leg like we were at the renaissance fair (laughs) (laughs) and so that was good 
Uncle Paul also made delicious stuffing. Stuffing is like probably my favorite Thanksgiving food. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was so good. And um Did you get pigs in a blanket? Oh my gosh. Update. Yes, I did make pigs in a blanket. They were a little bit fancier. We had like a little side of delicious fancy mustard with it. We cut them in half, put them on like a lovely serving tray. And you know what, Gianna? Everyone at the Poro household loved the pigs in a blanket. They said they were delicious. They said they were buttery and yummy. And I was like, oh, you know what? I worked really hard on these. So thank you. I'm really happy for you. Um, I must say though, I feel like I might have one star baker compared to your mini pigs in a blanket because my gingerbread macrons turned out very well. They looked incredible. Jonah. I made them they like so really good. big though. I don't know. Sometimes like the more that I make them, which is kind of a scarcity because I don't have a KitchenAid mixer and you just really need like both hands because it's better like put in e- ingredients gradually. So it's just hard yeah. to do it with a hand mixer. Um, but they they came out good. But the recipe that I followed they're one inch in diameter, which is pretty big for a macaron. Yeah. And I just wasn't thinking about it. And gingerbread is like, I, I wanted to do something a little bit more like festive. Otherwise, yeah. I think the next time I make them, I'm just going to do a classic one and like dye them and make them look Christmassy. We can make them when I get there. Yeah. But That'd be so uh, fun. yeah, no, they turned out good, but they were just, you know, gingerbread's like a very intense. And I also used molasses for the mm-hmm. icing. And so it had a really nice, like, sharp flavor, but they were just, like, huge. So I was like, yeah. I don't know if I can, like, that finish it. Um, well, it might be time to discuss a little bit of art news. I love it. So for today's art news, this will be a short little story that you guys have probably already heard of. But Spotify has removed the play button that automatically shuffled songs regardless of an album's track list, and it's all thanks to Adele. So to quote Adele, This was the only request I had in our ever-changing industry. We don't create albums with so much care and thought into our track listing for no reason. Our art tells a story, and our story should be listened to as we intended. Previously, pressing the play button for an album on Spotify auto-shuffled songs rather than playing them in order uh, as the artist intended. The shuffle feature is still available when playing an individual track from an album, but the main play button no longer defaults to playing an album song out of order. Um, So I have yet to pay for Spotify premium because I have this weird thing with subscriptions Maybe I just, like, don't like to commit. I I would like Spotify Premium, but I just have this, like, thing. Why are subscriptions always so hard to cancel? It, it's, like, impossible to cancel, and I don't know. I get really annoyed with it. So I just listen in on my computer and have the occasional ad. So it's hard for me to even, like, I can't even listen to things, like, in order if I'm doing it on my phone. So, Bianca, you said the other day that you can still shuffle things. So what's the situation on your end? Well, I just opened up my Spotify and now all of my albums that I have downloaded are shuffle free, shuffle button free. But the other day, whenever you had told me about this story, whenever I opened my Spotify, the shuffle button was still there. But I feel like 
I don't know. I mean, maybe it, it depends on the way that you press the button or the way that you enter the album. But whenever I go to an album, I guess maybe I just don't click the play button or the shuffle button first. I click on like the first song. Yeah. And then I never really had a problem with that, I guess, when I'm listening to an album. But I do love shuffle. I, I'm one of those people that listens to a lot of, not necessarily albums, but I don't know. I just, I like a variety of music, but, um, I guess I do with albums, listen to it start to finish. It's like, they're still giving options for you to experience your music and how you want it. But yeah, if you're clicking on the album and wanting to listen to it in its entirety, it will be more like conscientious of playing start to finish. Which I do yeah. kind of like. I think it's fantastic. I, yeah. And not that this isn't something that like, as Adele mentioned, like this isn't like a new thing. It's like artists definitely like curate their mm-hmm. song list. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe for me, everything just goes back to Gaga. But I feel like as of late, this is something that I've just become more apparent of. I think as I start like listening to more albums yeah. Just in my own like music discovery, it's been something I've been more conscientious about. Well, I think for someone who I do pay for Spotify Premium, Spotify Premium is just one of my favorite things in the entire world. Like I just I use Spotify every single day of my life. Yeah. So it's definitely worth it for me. But I feel like before I had Spotify Premium or I don't know, depending on your living situation or your vehicle situation, like when I was driving a lot in my old vehicle, I was a big radio listener, and now I can't imagine listening to the radio. I think you know part I mean? of the reason why I also haven't gotten Spotify Premium is my car is a 2003 Honda Civic, and she does not right. have an aux cord, and so right. you best believe I still listen to the radio. Yeah, that's how I was until I got my new car, because yeah. my old vehicle didn't have an aux cord either. Um, no, I think it's fantastic. I think it makes so much sense, and... I guess it is weird that Spotify originated out of a shuffle mentality. I'm kind of curious about that. Like, why shuffle was the default in the first place when they're a music company? Why hasn't this been, has this been brought up before? I don't don't know. I don't know. You know, I know Spotify is kind of interesting in the sense that, and I learned this from Audrey Gleason, like we all go gaga for the Spotify wrapped. And oh, I believe that I'm feature to it. <laughs> was uh, implemented by an intern or it was an intern's yes. idea. Mm-hmm. But also in terms of like their relationship with artists, like I don't believe artists get a huge like cut from music on Spotify. I don't know how that mm-hmm. works for like big name people. Uh, but I've talked to Josh a little bit about it in the past mm-hmm. and it's like the you know, not the most bang for your buck. So um, I don't think any artists, even before Spotify, like with iTunes, I don't mm-hmm. think a ton of artists made their money through iTunes either. Yeah. Yeah. So I but think they do have Spotify exclusives too. Like now that Spotify is such a major platform, there they are do. Like Spotify exclusives. And they songs, did that for like, Chromatica. Like, the... yeah. And for Christmas too, like I started listening to holiday music mm-hmm. and there's like Spotify singles by different artists that are only on Spotify. Yes. I remember Katy Perry did that. Was it with Amazon Music or some... What did she do it oh, with? Because I couldn't maybe. listen to that Christmas song. 
Oh, her cozy little Christmas. Yeah, or it was with Apple Music or something. Oh, it's on Spotify. Is it on now? But when it first came out, I like I like couldn't listen to it. Interesting. But I don't know. I I definitely am totally on board with like respecting artists' wishes. I know that it's a platform for both artists and users, but Spotify stated that this was a long request by both of those people. Um so yeah, but at the end of the day, I think Adele using her power for good. I love it. I'm here for it. And I this album must be listened to. Yes. At least, you know, yes. a few times. How did you like it? So I really like the album. It's growing on me. But the first track, Strangers by Nature, I could listen to 24-7. Like the other night I went to bed and I listened to Strangers by Nature just on repeat before mm-hmm. I like let the album play in full and like, you know, lull me to sleep. I love strangers by nature i don't know how to describe it it's just one of those songs that comes out and just fucking makes you feel something Mm -hmm. so strangers by nature oh my god when i listened to the album the first time i was driving down here for the holiday and i was like holy shit this album's about to blow me out of the water and it it's a great album i like the sounds i like that it's um she has this like rhythm throughout the whole album that i really enjoy i just don't get the feeling throughout the rest of the album that i do in the first song and so i think for the rest of the album i was like a little bit like just let down because i love the first song so much and also i hadn't listened to easy on me like in full i just like heard it on tv or whatever um but Easy on me. I I really like it. I think it's a great song. Also, just like the the noises that she makes. Like, how does that sound like possibly come out of like a human being? Like, it's so beautiful. Like, it just. But the I get I get a little lost in the middle of the album. It is growing on me. But I will say that the last two tracks. Is it I drink wine? No, um, that one is one of my to be loved. To To be loved, loved, I could also listen to a million and one times. Like, oh my god, oh, it just it's so that song is, but I also love Love is a Game, also because Mm -hmm. I can hear Love is a Game like in a movie. Like, when I listen to Love Love is a Game, I can picture like a movie set and I can picture like the story she's telling, but I love the way that the album just opens and closes. Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably my favorite thing about this album in particular. But I don't know if that also says something like the beginning and the end tracks are my absolute favorite. Yeah. To Be Loved, I think, is just unreal. It is so fucking good. It's funny to listen to describe it like that because that's how I felt. I listened to the album while I was finishing this painting for an upcoming show and – I didn't know if it was just because I was like painting and just having background music, Mm -hmm. if I wasn't just paying attention to it, but I felt as though I got a little bit lost in the middle, but the beginning tracks, but I do really like, I drink wine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of like a mood, Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so there are some things that stand out on me or like love is a game. Like I can kind of like, I'm already only listen to the album in its entirety twice but like i can mm-hmm. pick out those like lyrics and there's some songs in the middle that i couldn't even like play in my head right now they all just mm-hmm. sound very like adele i'm like ah, oh, yeah say some adele like you know bops in the middle 
Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think she has a different sound in this album, which I which I like a lot. Yeah, it's, it's not like typical Adele, maybe. I don't know. I still feel like this is an Adele album, but totally, in the sense totally. that there is a song, and I don't know which one it is, but there's like this emphasis on some of the like background singers that have maybe more of like this like vintage vibe to them, mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. like kind of they like quote what she's saying like three times yeah. over. And I, I, that's prob- probably not a helpful descriptor. But there was something about it that I know how much she loves Amy Winehouse and how important mm. Amy Winehouse was to her. Because, it does feel very, you know, she was British and she was a woman yeah. and, you know, singing these types of songs. <laughs> she's British and she's a woman. Yeah, but she is. I mean, like, that's why I watched an interview with, like, Adele, like, recently and just kind of, like, yeah. going down, like, the, you know, research hole mm-hmm. and, like, why Amy was so important to her because yeah. you know that representation but yeah i don't know so uh, there was some of that in there but it just it kind of felt like it felt like an adele album to me yeah 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 but in other kind of music news we will get into the gaga of it all here in a little bit but i believe tonight the they are broadcasting the um lady gaga and tony bennett concert yes they are i'm very excited that is happening tonight sunday so yeah I hope you guys <laughs> have watched it by the time this episode comes out but i definitely will be watching i wonder if it'll be available on hulu or something like that i don't know i think it's gonna be on cbs it is yeah it's yeah. A cbs special yeah but anyway i'm very excited yes we will be watching over here so i'm probably gonna ball my eyes out <laughs> yeah i could do with oh, a god. good cry that sounds oh god sounds fun Yeah, but I'm not alone. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, speaking of, I think it's time to bring in our fashion expert, Juliana Poro. So we are going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will be joined by our special guest to recap House of Gucci. Here with resident APT fashion expert, one of our favorite APT guests, Miss Juliana Poro. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. It is so good to be here. I'm so glad you're here. This was whenever Gianna and I, you know, saw the first House of Gucci trailer, we were like, it's time. It's time to have Jewel back. And when you texted me about it, I was like, my three favorite things Gaga, fashion, and true crime. So I'm here, I am ready. Nothing I love more. <laughs> yeah, I, love I wish I was there with you guys. God, my love. I kept looking over at Bianca, like, different scenes, and Bianca was, like, completely immersed, just staring at the screen <laughs> with wide eyes, and I was like, oh, 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 my gosh. I just, I couldn't wait to talk about it with you guys. It's, it's um, one of those things, too, where I feel like I can't even blink because I want my eyeballs to soak in every <laughs> single second of Lady Gaga content that I can get. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't even want to close my eyes. Like, I, I just want to, all I want to do is stare at her gorgeous face the whole time for three hours, yeah. which I did. <laughs> it was great. 
Um, Jewel, we need to kind of paint a little picture, though, for the art pop charts because you arrived in a little bit of a costume. <laughs> in style. I did. I did. Um, yes, I was wearing ski goggles and a red jacket, just like she wears in the Swiss Alps scene. Um, and I had a teacup that I stole from my mom's cupboard and was like, gosh, I hope she doesn't notice this. <laughs> and a little tiny spoon because I wanted to do this scene where she says... I'm not the particularly <laughs> ethical person, but I am fair, which also sounds like I'm from Moscow. But, <laughs> but I wanted to do it, and I did it, and I even texted our Aunt Rita. I was like, can you bring your ski goggles? Because I forgot them. And um, she said, oh, well, I sent her a picture to show her the ski goggles, and she was like, I have a red jacket. And I was like, bring that too. <laughs> and then she was like, do you want me to bring ski poles? And I was like, no, I'm okay. And she was like, that was a joke. I was like, okay. Um, so teacup in hand I was ready and Look. also I just I got the most premium photo of Juliana at the movie theater also like I just I really hope that Lady Gaga saw it because I just want her to know like the lengths that we will go to just embody her in any type of way and Juliana truly looked incredible that is so well, sweet thank you you know <laughs> it's really funny because Bianca, you had sent me that Snapchat, or, or Jewel did, and then I saw the photo that you posted, but right before Thuban was talking to me about how, he's like, you know, like, Jewel kind of, like, looks like Lady Gaga, and I'm, <laughs> and he's, like, he's, like, very convinced that you, that you look like Gaga, but I think there are, like, a lot of things in which I also agree with him, like, I think mm-hmm. that in some ways you guys have the same face shape, I do think that you probably looked more like her before you got your nose job. Accurate. Um, but you guys are the same size. Like, you are the same size. I know. I'm literally this 5'2". And also, please thank Theban for me. Tell him that he's my favorite person in the world. That's not true, but thank you. And thank you for saying that, too. Um, I read online that she was, like, someone said that she was encapsulating. Encapsulating? Yeah. Encapsulating? Um, <laughs> short girl Italian energy, which is something that I strive for every day. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, Bianca and I wanted to open up this conversation about the movie, just kind of shooting the shit. But one of the things that I noticed, Jewel, like, in terms of Gaga's stature is that she felt, like, small to me in this movie. And I feel like when I've seen her, like, on the stage or Mm -hmm. when I see her in, like, other movies, I'm not as aware of her size. But in this one, like, Patrizia is is a very tiny person. And so, obviously, like, she fit the stature for that film. But this was the first time I had seen her where I'm, like, very aware that she is a, a very short person. Mm-hmm. Totally, and like her red jumpsuit in the Swiss Alps when she they did like a wide shot where she's walking towards what's her name uh, pa- Paula. 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 She looked so small and so short, and that's when I was like, "Whoa!" Like she is tiny. I also think the actress who played her was kind of the antithesis. What is that word? Antithesis. 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 I can't say it. <laughs> it's not happening this morning. <laughs> the opposite. Um, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> It's opposite um, of Patrizia or, like, Lady Gaga. You know, this, mm-hmm. like, tall, super slender blonde, blonde. chick. Yeah. 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 I also, I was <laughs> telling Juliana this, I noticed Lady Gaga's size in comparison to Adam Driver also because we got to talk about the sex scene, too, because, oh, of course. Oh, wow, that was nice and steamy. And <laughs> I, whenever adam driver has his hands around lady gaga's waist first of all i mean we all 
know what Adam Driver's hands look like. <laughs> Adam Driver's hands around Lady Gaga. I was like feeling some feels. I was like, oh my word. Like, I know. I was like, Adam Driver's about to snap Gaga in half. <laughs> like, he was. Oh gosh. Yeah. I wasn't even looking at his hands. I was looking at her butt. I now got to watch it back just to see his hands. I know. Of course, we are big fans of Lady Gaga's ass on this show. And when we got an nice shot of it i was like oh thank you thank you <laughs> um maybe the one good thing ridley scott has ever done um, truly, totally. truly should i read that quote from that tweet that i sent you guys yes to? i was gonna say please do okay so from gaga daily there is a um tweet from aphrodite lizzie that says the Oscar should go to Lady Gaga's wig glue during the sex scene in House of Gucci because baby girl got railed and it didn't move a millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh my god. Amazing. Truly such a good scene. And um, she was talking they were talking about it on the Graham Northam show as well, which was pretty funny. Uh one of the things I thought was about that um that Gaga Daily post that you shared, Bianca, I can't remember if it was in the caption, but they asked the question, like, did you laugh? Did you scream or like did you giggle? Like in mm-hmm. in relation to the sex scene. And I was like, you know what, that's so funny because I didn't know what to do. So I, I did like I giggled, like I laughed <laughs> and I'm not a like I don't I don't think I'm not a person who particularly laughs at sex scenes. But <laughs> um but I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I thought that was that was amazing. That was one of the best sex scenes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I was in shock. Yeah, I was in shock. <laughs> I just kept going. I was like and I read online that Adam Driver said that he was like, yeah, we got into it. Like, all the an- all the noises were ad-libbed. And I was like, we got into it. Oh, my mean? God. He Spicy. said that they shot it a month into shooting, so they felt comfortable with each That's other. That's nice. Interesting. That's nice. Um, so the other thing about the sex scene, and maybe this is a good transition into some other parts of the film, but the transition from them like banging very very hard and then we get that stark transition and it's gaga in white and it's her yes. wedding day that was probably the the best transition of the film i i loved that transition a lot of the beginning of the film not that i didn't enjoy the end of the film but i really liked a lot of the scenes in the beginning of the film when we're kind of watching the beginning of Maurizio and patrizia's relationship i really liked seeing that and i love I, I loved the wedding scene except i have one this is a weird thing but i thought the song faith that played during the wedding scene was just a little too like weird for me i don't know what it was about that song in particular that i just like not that it ruined the scene it just like i thought was a weird song choice I thought the music choices were interesting in the sense that you know they're n- nostalgic they were for the time period but they were mm-hmm. They also had, like, a really strong presence. Like, the music was a little bit yeah. distracting. Um, right. I kind of felt the, the same way. What yeah. was the song that they used for the trailer? Um, Heart, uh, Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass. Yeah, that was the song I think I found, like, the least distracting. Yeah. But that original song has, I don't know, more of, like, a softer, like, tone to it. But, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I. it's not that the music, like, doesn't work. Like, it's it's appropriate for the time but i agree there was something about it that was a little bit distracting a lot of the other music didn't bother me i kind of want to listen to the soundtrack i wonder if it's on spotify but um the heart of glass version i liked that it was hard glass but it was just a different version um should we do like highs and lows of the movie 
our favorite yeah. and like not show favorite things <laughs> it was also just their relationship in the beginning like they did seem very cute together mm-hmm. or he i think the sad part was and and reading these kind of quotes about Maurizio and how you know he said that Patrizia looked like Elizabeth Taylor and mm-hmm. it truly felt like to sacrifice so much for her and to be with her that he really did like truly like love her and so mm-hmm. as the film progressed I think they captured that like actual loving relationship very well and that's mm-hmm. a testament to you know Adam and Gaga and then it just made everything all the more devastating yeah, it was almost how we were talking about Adele earlier. I think the time period or like the time span, timeline, that's what I'm mm-hmm. going for. Mm-hmm. The timeline was a little bit like rushed or I wish I had more like time or like date stamps in the film yes. because I felt like the middle from me was maybe a little bit lost. And then I really liked the beginning because I liked the relationship. And then of course, like we get the, the you know, the plot to murder Maurizio and mm-hmm. that is enticing. But the middle, I don't know. There was just, like, a lot of things that happened, and I wasn't sure of the timeline. Right. Yeah. And to me, it seemed like you were supposed to gauge the timeline kind of based on the growth of their daughter. And not that that was a bad thing, but she would... The daughter was the thing that kind of, like, was the key to helping you stay tethered to, like, the years that were going by. Mm-hmm. because by the end of the film she's like a teenager you know so it's well the other confusing thing about that to me when i looked it up later is that they had two daughters right yes they Allegra did and, and so i'm like what i'm like what? i kept waiting for her to get pregnant with the second daughter and yeah like, oh they seem like they're gonna get a divorce but she still has to have that other kid right and well, right never... yeah and by the time it's like christmas and that's like their kind of big family moment with the three of them even though it's not like the happiest moment i'm like where's your other kid <laughs> right right and right. also something too that we found out later is that Maurizio and Paola were together for five years before um, Maurizio was murdered. So, like, his wow. relationship with Paola, too, was very long standing. Like, I mean, that's a very long time. Five years to still go back and plot to murder your, hus- your ex-husband. I guess if they weren't legally divorced, also five years to still be just separated is a very long time, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it yeah. wasn't, and then she wasn't convicted um, until three years. It took right. like three years. I think, yeah, yeah. When her, yeah. No, I think wow. it was 98. She was murdered in 95. Yeah. I think she was convicted in 98, right? Okay. Maybe yeah. the trial started in 97. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So the timeline, timeline was very odd. I yeah. think we can all agree More on that one. Stamps. Yeah. More time stamps yeah. would have been, would have been good. Should we talk about our other Debbie Downer? Of the whole movie. Truly a disgrace to all Italians watching. Freaking Jared Leto. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. What the F? None of that made any sense to me. I was embarrassed for him watching it. <laughs> I felt cringy and uncomfortable and I wanted to disappear. <laughs> it just... I First of all, let's just celebrate the triumph that was Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. Excellent actors excellent at being authentic in their characters their accents were amazing just their their performance they were embodying patrizia and Maurizio. and jared leto comes in and is standing next to them and just acting a fool as a caricature of an italian man 
and it was offensive. <laughs> like absolutely, and like at first I thought what would bother me was the makeup that, yes. that I could see, but actually that was not the most offensive part. And actually, it wasn't that bad in the movie. I didn't feel like I was like, oh my gosh, look. Maybe a few scenes like when he's laying down, he has like this fake double chin. I was a little like, eh. But the acting was a master in overacting. <laughs> It was just, I think, also not only the stereotype of the Italian, but also the stereotype of the artist, too, Mm -hmm. because he wants to be this designer. Mm. And I wish that we would have gotten, like, a better shot of the sketches that he brings in to Maurizio's father, um, because I was kind of curious about that, because I thought it was interesting... One of the first scenes that we get of Paolo is he's in this, like, pink, um, like, corduroy-looking, like, suit. And I was thinking how that feels very much like a modern kind of, like, Gucci suit. Exactly. the more research I did about Paolo, the more information I got about basically his biggest legacy or his biggest contribution to Gucci was the logo and how we see like the mm-hmm. double G situation mm-hmm. on like belts. And that was kind of his biggest, biggest accomplishment. Um, but it, yeah, maybe like it, because he was a part of the plot. I mean, we did get looks of, of uh, his clothing, Mm -hmm. you know, when Patrizia is, like, manipulating him in his house and trying to get him to, you know, leak information Mm -hmm. about Aldo. But um, on top of that, I didn't understand why they went to the lengths to put him in this makeup when it didn't even look like the original dude, like the real dude. Right, exactly. And Gianna, you know what I kept thinking, too, is... You and I had that fear. I think the moment we found out that Ridley Scott was the director of this movie, I think you and I had very strong concerns about casting Mm -hmm. outside of Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. I think Al Pacino was fantastic. Selma Hayek was, you know, she was pretty good. She wasn't in it that much, but she she was good. She also didn't look like the woman, Mm -hmm. you know, Pina. But I guess, you know, that's Ridley Scott. You know, he's going to cast a star and not someone who's kind of authentic. But for, yeah, Jared was just, his performance was really, really bothersome. But I also had the same thought in regards to his fashion. I will say like that corduroy suit and his ideas throughout the film, I thought were going to play a larger role in the making of what Gucci is today because his outfits did feel very centric to, to the brand's identity today, which we'll get into a little bit later, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My other casting complaint also, as much as I love Jeremy Irons as an actor, he was just like a regular British man. (laughs) And I did not feel like he was as committed to playing an Italian Like, I feel like Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, Al Pacino were hitting it right in the middle, like right on the money. And then on the two opposite ends of the of the spectrum, you have Gerald Leto just going above and beyond as this caricature. And then Jeremy Irons, whose accent is just like fading in and out between like (laughs) part Italian and part British. I also, you know, it's funny that you describe like uh, Jared Leto as being this like caricature of an Italian because did you guys notice that he thought it would be a good idea to give himself a catchphrase and it was like boof kept saying boof, boof. And I I really, when I was watching the film, I only noticed it like once after um, they 
like Aldo is signing over his shares and you know mm. he's like he's done and then Jared Leto exits yeah. the room and he's like boof yeah and then later on you know reading articles about how like oh boof well sure uh you know it was a artistic choice by the actor but it will be sure to you know make an impression in in pop culture and I'm like the <laughs> fuck it does no, like no, what was that no, like God. it was down like boof really like really jared did you think that would that's not cute (laughs) and it wasn't anything even again the original paolo person said again this was like an artistic choice that that they thought would would be fun for the film (laughs) like it was not yeah no it was not it's not going to happen it's not going to happen The other quote that I wanted to tell you guys, and I've been meaning to tell you this, mm. for like, it just got me so mad, was that they interviewed Jared Leto about playing an Italian. And he said, I'm like paraphrasing, but this is basically what he said is that he was so Italian by the end of making it that he had Parmesan cheese in his blood, is what he said, and that he had olive oil running through his veins, and that he was snorting pasta sauce. I'm like, that's not what Italian is. It's like That just proves to me that he saw it as a caricature. Oh, he was snorting pasta I'm sure he was not, but that's how Italian he was. That his whole body. Also, turned do into you know? Do you know anything about pasta sauce? Like, do yeah. you do you know anything about like the the variety? Yeah. Like, do, or do you just think like you're talking about like a fucking ragu and you're being like an asshole? Like, yeah. yeah. Also, I know Jared Leto is. Is he a method actor? And I know yes, there was yes. all those stories about him, like, playing the Joker and right. him, like, enthralling himself in the character. And, like, I'm all for you being a method actor, but I'm also – you can do your that in a way fun. where you're not being an asshole. Yeah. Right. Oh, the whole – his whole thing – oh, that makes me so mad. That quote makes my blood boil. Yeah. Makes my olive oily <laughs> blood <laughs> boil. It's like he just went to an olive garden and just <laughs> – decided this is what it is now to be an Italian like oh my god I know that and you know I'm all for things having like an artistic take or having someone to provide like comedic relief in a drama that is like very heavy but that wasn't what that character provided if Mm -mm. that was the goal right yeah right it was a distraction yes yes definitely um well are there any other pits and peaks of the film we'd like to discuss before we mm. ask some more questions for me i feel like we hit it on the head mm-hmm. but i think i'm i think i'm ready to ask jewel some good questions let's do it let's do it so let me kick this off jewel what do you know about gucci before this movie how was it discussed as a fashion house when you were in school sure so um i studied fashion at the university of delaware um fashion merchandising so um, for the majority of my education, I feel like we talked about Gucci a few times, um, mostly in fashion history courses, like the fact that it started as a leather goods company. So in the movie, they talk about that too. Um, Gucci O Gucci was a bellhop, and then he owned, he worked in a luggage store, and then he owned his own luggage store. So it started out as luggage and then kind of expanded to mm-hmm. accessories. So that's like what I remember learning about, but we also mostly talked about it in terms of um, their legal uh, counterfeit issues. Mm -hmm. Basically, they were very vocal about stamping out anyone counterfeiting um, their products. And so to give you kind of an idea, like in the late 70s, they had about 200 lawsuits going on to end counterfeiting. And we saw that Mm -hmm. in the movie too. Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga or Patrizia was very upset about it. 
Um, in the 80s, it went to thousands of lawsuits oh over gosh. the world. So they really did not, you know, let it go, kind of like Aldo was saying. Right. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And um, they're still doing it today, actually. Um, they just had a lawsuit with Alibaba, I read. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they would not be selling real Gucci things on their site unless Alibaba takes the counterfeit ones down, which is understandable. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's mostly what I remember. And I went to college a little bit than you two so I don't have the best memory of college but um I'm a little old um but that is what I remember hearing about mostly at school about Gucci mm. I also just want to say that if I ever have a son I will name him Gucci o Gucci that we were oh, such a, a good name fantastic name I mean you can't find a better name out there it's luxurious Gucci o Gucci Ooh. wow oh what a great name that's super interesting. That's interesting that they did uh, that. Aldo was kind of ambivalent to all of that in the movie when it's such like a seems to be a pivotal point of the brand itself. But yeah, I was surprised at that when he was like, "Let the Long Island wife believe that she can wear." <laughs> I thought that, that was a little weird because I, I would be a little upset too. Mm-hmm. I think it is kind of knocking the luxury part of it down, mm-hmm. you know, if everyone has these fake ones. But I guess they in real life they were very litigious about yeah. it. Hmm. So thinking about that, what did you think about the Gucci brand as a whole and its fashion before seeing this movie? Like, what were your personal ideas about Gucci? So for Gucci, what really comes to mind for me is Tom Ford. I just knew very generally that, like, it wasn't doing well. Tom Ford kind of came in, revitalized it, kind of like what Karl Lagerfeld did Mm -hmm. for Chanel. Um, So I really thought of Gucci in terms of, like, the Tom Ford rebranding of it, like, very sleek and sexy. Um... So I just basically knew the differences, but I worked at Nordstrom for a few years and I worked in the accessories department, the sunglasses department, and I sold so many Gucci sunglasses. So personally, and not because I was a good salesperson, I'm a terrible salesperson, but you know, you be, you're there for a while and you tend mm-hmm. to sell a lot of Gucci. They had the, um, the bamboo arms, mm-hmm. um, you know, arms for sunglasses or these things, um, and people just loved the bamboo mm. design. So they were going like hotcakes for a while. Mm. Um, so when I think of Gucci, I think of accessories mm. just because I worked in that department. Mm. Mm. I did like in the film that we we did get that turning point and how we, we got the fashion show. And we got to see like the assless chaps with the thong. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up some images from the um, – from the original runway show and they had like a nice sleek like Gucci thong in the mix so I thought that was cool that that did make an appearance in the film Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so let's get into the film a little bit more you've talked with us before about your education and costume history so can you talk about how the clothing for this film kind of came together what did we see that made us believe this was the clothing of the major fashion house Yeah, absolutely. This was like super fun to research, by the way. I could have looked this up for like hours, which I did. (laughs) So there are a few different ways that the costume designer, her name is Janty Yates. She also, she's worked with Ridley Scott a long time. Like it's like they're like Mm. her right hand man, woman. Um, So she did a lot of different methods to create the look for the movie. There are actually um, 60 to 70 outfits just for Gaga. Not all of them made the final Mm -hmm. cut of the movie, but that's like a lot for a movie. And this is a fun fact. Lady Gaga insisted that no article of clothing or accessory was to be repeated scene to scene, even earrings. Mm. So, like, if they finished a scene and they knew they were done with that particular, like, scene, that she would take off the earrings, they would put them away, and they would start from scratch the next day, Mm. building, like, the other one. 
even the ring, which I thought was interesting, because I was like, isn't that her wedding ring? Oh, really? But if you look at it, I don't know that it repeats. But maybe it maybe it does, but they said every piece of jewelry does mm. not repeat. So that was interesting. Um, so there are a few different places from where they actually got the outfits. Um, one was the Gucci archives, but the Gucci archives were actually in the middle of moving during filming. They were being moved to a different area, so mm. they only had a really small selection. So there were a couple ones in the movies that were actually vintage Gucci. Um, when she gets the divorce papers and she's wearing like the double G shirt blouse um, with a leather skirt, that was really Gucci. Um, and then in the earlier scenes, she's wearing Yves Saint Laurent, Chanel, Burberry, because the real Patrizia really did not like wearing Gucci. Uh, she preferred to wear these other designers. And at the time... Gucci was really more an accessories company mm-hmm. than apparel. And so she preferred to wear the other ones. Um, so for like those outfits, they went to costume houses and also they went online. So the Burberry coat she's wearing where she kind of flips it, that was mm. her idea, Gaga's idea, to flip it so you can see the plaid on mm. the outside. Mm. They got that online. I'm like, oh, can you imagine mm. selling something and then you just see it in a movie? Like, that's amazing. Um, and then... Other outfits were just recreations of actual Gucci uh, Mm. costumes or outfits. Mm. Um, So the wedding dress she wears, she actually did wear Gucci. Patrizia Mm. wore Gucci. Um, But the costume designers thought that the real dress she wore was more like, quote, I think it was a Catholic girl trying to please her dad. Like they didn't think that in the movie she would be wearing that. So mm. they kind of spiced it up a little bit with like a high-low gown and then mm. the illusion um, bodice. And then, um, so for that, they just kind of went over archive footage. They did photographs, making the looks, and then recreating them. And Gucci gave them complete creative freedom. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. to create those. And then what's most exciting is that um, Gaga opened up her own vintage wardrobe for them to use so she actually collects vintage pieces and she said they could use whatever they needed mm. so the uh one of them only went to uh, the final cut but it's the scene where she's at the versace show and she's wearing a chain mail shirt mm. and skirt that's from her own um wardrobe so Ooh. yeah so different methods for like getting everything mm-hmm. together and then if we're talking about the men's uh which i kind of is a little footnote <laughs> for me you know i'm not too interested in men's work to be honest and when you have gaga on the screen it's like yeah. she takes my full attention um but they got those suits um from tailors from savile row and an italian brand called zegna hmm. never heard of and also fun fact adam driver was offered the suits to take home with him but he didn't want any of the suits because he felt like if he did he would be think like he would think that he was Maurizio. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah. I guess. So he only took the loafers home. Oh, Ooh. interesting. Yes. I need a pair of Gucci loafers. Like uh, I, Juliana and I, whenever we got home, I was like, "What can I buy?" <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I need a pair of Gucci That's loafers. Funny. I was oh, reading something leaf? that oh, yeah, yeah, the gold well, leaf ones. The gold leaf was like an artistic choice. The like there are those like loafers mm-hmm. um, and how rare they are, but they. The gold leaf was just a choice by the movie. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Like it just a added selling point, I guess, to make yeah, the movie well, more the, interesting. The gold leaf had to be the marker in the sense that Aldo knew then and there he was betrayed by Maurizio. Right. That makes sense. That was a cool scene. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. And and Al Pacino in that scene, I thought was very yeah like, powerful. Yeah. 
Do you think so Al Pacino? I'm sorry. Can we just like? I really wonder what he thinks about Jared Leto. I was thinking that too. Was he embarrassed to be in a scene with him? I was like, his I idiot feel like <laughs> that, in the sense, worked in favor of uh, Al Pacino's performance, like loathing <laughs> this person. Yeah, maybe so true. Maybe it added like he he was method acting. Like, he really was like. I also thought that about, like, Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, like, when they were in scenes with him, were they like, oh, my God, this is so weird. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't can't know. imagine that Lady Gaga. I mean, I don't want to speak for my queen, but, like, <laughs> that must be rough. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know. Carrying the whole freaking movie on her back. Honestly. Like, oh, yeah. God. There's um, a pivotal point, speaking of that show, the Versace show, where um, the audience starts to realize that Gucci is not necessarily at the caliber globally that we know it today. And there's a person, Walter, who says this to Maurizio. And then later we see the new Tom Ford show for Gucci, which reminds us of the brand's identity today. Like we start to get that more recognizable um, feature, I suppose. So. What can you tell us about this evolution of Gucci kind of failing and how did Tom bring it in and bring it back to life and what was so innovative about him that he became the creative director? Yeah, sure. That's a good question. Um, So in the mid to late 80s, Gucci mass produced a ton of product in an effort to like boost sales and it worked. They, they, they increased sales, but it also kind of they lost their exclusive position as like a luxury retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maurizio Gucci hired a woman named Dawn Mello to be the new creative director, and she put Gucci, she tried to put Gucci back on track. Um, she went, the stores went from 1,000 to 180, so she closed a bunch of stores. She also reduced the amount of items sold, 22,000 to 7,000. Um, so she really limited the amount that was out there to kind of create that exclusive mm-hmm. feeling again. Um she revived the classic bamboo bag and the loafer, so she kind of went back to the basics. And then she hired, most importantly, an up-and-coming designer um, in America called Tom Ford. And eventually, he became the new creative director. Okay. So she hired him as the woman's wear, ready-to-wear mm. uh, designer, and then he became the creative director later. So she... Uh, in the movie, Maurizio, doesn't he find him? Yeah. yeah. Domenico and Maurizio, like Domenico said, you should take a look at this guy from Texas. And then they bring him in and Maurizio interviews Tom Ford, who we later find out is Tom Ford. Right. And then, so they kind of cut her out of the whole movie, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, and so when they do hire Tom Ford, he kind of introduces these sexy white cutout um, dresses. Mm-hmm. And I Googled them and it's kind of like a whole right by the hip that mm-hmm. um, people just went crazy for. And so after that, he that's kind of the starting point. He becomes more, the designs become more and more sexualized. So like Bianca, or Gianna was saying, there's like the G-string, mm-hmm. the assless chaps, and then their uh, ads become more sexualized. Mm-hmm. So there's like an ad where it's like the double G that's shaved in pubic hair. So they're Whoa, really like just interesting. like pushing the envelope. And Maurizio didn't love that. And the... Uh, woman Don Mello, who I mentioned, she had a quote that said that um, Maurizio was thinking more in terms of like round and brown, and that Tom Ford was more square and black. So to me, that felt like she was saying Tom Ford was seeing more in the future. He was mm-hmm. more sleek and sexy, and Maurizio was kind of hanging back a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so then, if we go to what's happening today, we have a new creative director, um, uh, Alessandro Michele. And he kind of taking Gucci into like what's known as geek chic. Um, 
And it's kind of more sophisticated. It's androgynous. Mm-hmm. He did revitalize the double Gs, which are, like, really big right now in mm-hmm. all their designs. Which mm-hmm. I think we looked at them. Yeah. They're, like, repeating um, in, like, uh, one pieces and mm-hmm. uh, kind of zip-ups. And they're doing really soupy, soupy. <laughs> Good soup. It's good. Not a driver. Good soup. Super chunky heels. So kind mm-hmm. of like geeky or what would have been geeky mm-hmm. and fanny packs, things like that. Um, and oversized glasses. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Adam Driver wore in the film, mm-hmm. like these 70s style, really big glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing really well for the company. So I looked it up. In the first half of 2021, their sales racked up to $5.2 billion. Oh, and they're really being spurred on by, like, Billie Eilish. She's mm-hmm. just been wearing it everywhere. Um, Lizzo wore, like, a head-to-toe double G mm-hmm. kind of cape dress. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And, of course, Jared Leto has been in Gucci. Not just because mm-hmm. of the movie, but he was he's a fan of Gucci. Yeah, and Harry Styles, you know, also wore Gucci to the 2019 Camp Met Gala. And that's oh. also what I think of Gucci. I think of 2019. I don't know. And, yeah, back to, like, the androgyny. We talked about their per- perfume ads. Miley's doing a collab with Gucci Flower. Um so, and also I think Gucci tights also are huge, like, which I, I really want to pair, um, the little bows with uh-huh. the G in the middle, like the Gucci bow tights are, I, I feel like a lot of people are, are investing in those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very trendy right now too. So that's really interesting. I gotta get some those. I know. I gotta get some, I was like on the real, real afterwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I was yes. like, I should buy Gucci everything now. Yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of creative direction to the film hit on the fact, I don't know, that Maurizio may have not been the best businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, this was a family company, a fairly new company in terms of like, I like Chanel has like a probably a longer history. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to do the 180 into something like that, that turned like very sexy, very fast mm-hmm. and, and kind of branching away from those like family like values, which I thought was so interesting that Maurizio in particular felt the need to like to to have mm-hmm. because during this time in the film, I feel like doesn't even hit on the fact about how many lawsuits were actually happening between family members mm-hmm. at that time. So it felt very much like um like a facade but i do wonder at that time too like how much the public was aware of all these different lawsuits and mm-hmm. and the tension between the family as well probably not much i can't imagine also it seems like a it seems like a small family too mm-hmm. like the gucci empire at least in in the movie or the the major players that we're getting are kind of what four people <laughs> like like the two brothers i think there's like the two other two cousins, cousins patricia and then guccio gucci who's not even who's mentioned in the film right but there was two other cousins i don't know if they were brothers of paolo or maurizio that were probably like shareholders i don't want to say mm-hmm. like major players but had a stake in you know the family company uh but i think really you know, we have Guccio Gucci as being this this grandfather of the mm-hmm. company, but then really getting it taken over by his his two sons, right? Right off the and bat, it's, just, it's so sad that we find out there's no one in the Gucci family involved. Today. Just be just in the sense that Gucci does feel like a very young company again. To yeah. just going back to what you know you were saying with someone like 
Chanel, which I know, you know, we're not big Chanel fans at this show, but like, you know, she's not a living player anymore. And then like with Versace, obviously, oh, I love that we got a little shot of Gianni too in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously we have Donatella today. I just think it's so interesting that for a young, such a young fashion house, we don't have any of those family members attached to what it is and and we didn't get that for very long like yeah three generations two and a half generations of gucci's um so jewel what were your favorite looks of the film that's a fun one to kind of end on yes oh there are so many so i audibly gasped at the scene where (laughs) she did (laughs) she really did i heard her and i was like oh, this is a very jewel outfit. That's so sweet for you to say. And it is. This is like my ideal outfit would be, it's the one where she goes to like the cow farm where they're making like the leather goods at Aldo's farm, mm-hmm. is it? And she's wearing a like blue blouse tucked into like a midi length, big full skirt. Very like Sophia Loren. And she, I thought, looked the most beautiful in that mm-hmm. scene when they're sitting down talking to him and they're doing close-ups. She looks so tan. She has this dark hair. It was like- I She looked think- very Italian. Yes. I just love the energy that mm-hmm. it's giving off. Um- so that was one of mine. Um, of course, the outfit where she is skiing, that red, like, cinched, snatched, snatched waist, <laughs> um, was stunning. I, I loved her. And she also looked beautiful mm-hmm. in that, too, um, with the matching goggles mm-hmm. and everything. I thought that was great. And then I was thinking last night about another one, and I forgot about the late Como scene where she's wearing, like, she's meeting Aldo for the first mm-hmm. time, the whole family for mm-hmm. the first time. She's wearing, like, that white mm-hmm. dress with the white uh, cape. Mm-hmm. And she also looked very, like, Italian, mm-hmm. like, this, like, this hourglass figure. Mm-hmm. Ugh, there's, like, too many. And we gotta call out the Joe Calderone scene. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Were you getting Joe Calderone vibes at the end, where she's wearing, like, the bla- the leather jacket? You know, it's funny, because in the trailer, I was trying to pinpoint, like, I wonder, like, where this moment in that, in the film, is this gonna take place? Because... She's not wearing the most glam outfit. I thought this was like a before Gucci scene. Oh. Like this was Patrizia, like before she met Maurizio, kind but of. But it looked very 90s, I thought. Like it, it just, yeah. like that whole vibe was like punk Jeez. 90s or something. Yeah. Totally. Yes. And um, that was a great scene that she just acted in, too. So I was just like, yes. Loving it. Yeah. And for the art pop tarts, if you don't know, Joe Calderone is Lady Gaga's alter ego featured in You and I, if you're curious. But we'll put, we'll post some images, but like, I, I'm so glad that Juliana and I had the same thought because as soon as she was on screen, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Like, that's Lady, I was like, that's Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, one thing that we didn't talk about too much just in regards to her like hiring the hitman with like mm-hmm. Pina's involvement in that, um, you know, the movie didn't really like pinpoint how close Patrizia and Pina really were and how at one point Pina was so trusted she owned a Gucci store. Whoa, I had no idea. <laughs> that's and I'm wild. Like, man, that that's wild. Uh, uh truly. I don't I don't know. I was telling Juliana and Rosella and Rita that Pina was giving me like Rasputin vibes. Yeah. <laughs> like like the Alexandria's like connection to Rasputin and I thought like there was something that's supposed to be kind of very mystical about um, Patricia's like infatuation with Pina. And I thought for me, I don't know, just that, um, that comparison is what I kept kind of going back to, but there's this kind of figure that someone is so blindly like 
trusting like has all this faith into but the viewers can just see so clearly like you can't there's no like rationale to that type of relationship because the viewers can just see so clearly that Pina's milking it for all she's got you know she's taking mud baths she's going to the Cayman Islands mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff you know but there's just no rationale for that type of yeah relationship I suppose I I think in real life they met um like Patrizia Maurizio like met Pina while on like vacation somewhere oh, um but I I did really like the kind of artistic meeting in the film mm-hmm. of Gaga calling and just being mm-hmm. like what's your name like hi Pina there was something about mm-hmm. like that little moment and that interaction that I did really like and the same goes for Pina's vision of Maurizio mm-hmm. you know first like cheating mm-hmm. on Patrizia or like meeting Paola mm-hmm. and how in that moment we have this one fleeting moment where like Pina isn't just a total scammer like she's actually mm-hmm. having this like vision which is again yeah, not realistic or you know true to the real happenings mm-hmm. but for the film it like humanizes her mm-hmm. for a second yeah mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah, yeah. Totally. well friends are there any other thoughts that you guys have for this recap adam driver has a beautiful smile oh very good <laughs> astute point <laughs> i have to he, make that known my heart it, melted every time he smiled he looks so much like Maurizio, and I feel like he got skinny for this role, or they made him, like, feel him, because we're so used to seeing him, like, these days being in Star Wars with, like, the broadest, yeah. widest shoulders I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> totally, and, like, that dark hair I don't like. I like him with this lighter hair. He just looks so much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I like yeah. his curly kind of hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, we will be updating you, but I wonder if there's a chance for nomination for Best Actress in a Leading Role coming up here soon. It definitely depends on what other films come out. I think her and Adam Driver definitely have shots at that. I will, you know, be making a personal phone call to Ridley Scott (laughs) if Jared Leto gets uh, (laughs) any type of nomination. But I'm also curious about the costuming, the make the makeup for Jared Leto. I might see as as something that would get a nod to. I'm, you know, I could see that. But again, I don't know what other movies are on the horizon. Yeah, but we shall see. So, yeah, hoping it's and funny for my girl. Mm-hmm. Well, I told Bianca when I left the theater, like I, I really didn't have any thoughts. I didn't know how I, I felt about it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I had thoughts about Gaga and Adam and, you know, how they were just very stellar, but like the movie as a whole, I just, my mind was kind of blank afterwards. Like I needed yeah. some time to, to think about how I felt like mm-hmm. about it. It wasn't like after I saw Star is Born and was just bawling my eyes out, oh, you know? No. Yes. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this recap of House of Gucci. Juliana, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, not only see the movie with us, but thank you so much for doing all this research for us today. Ah, Thank you so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. I had so much fun. All right, everyone, don't forget you can follow us at Talk on pretty much any social media platform that you use. You can email us at artpoptalk at gmail.com for questions, comments, concerns, 
Don't forget to go sign up for our newsletter. We will be updating you on our upcoming holiday schedule as well within the coming weeks. You'll get that in our newsletter. And if you like this content, be sure to go over to our Buy Me a Coffee account. Give us a little donation so we can keep the show going. And with that, we will talk to you on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Art Pop Talks executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner, and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.